everybody, and welcome to episode 30 of the Baseball From Home podcast. I'm Connor McKnight. He is Joe Brand. And like always, we're brought to you by the House of L podcast network and our fine friends at Team Hockberg. I've been covering baseball for radio stations in Chicago the last 10 years. Joe's been broadcasting minor league baseball for the last nine. He covers the White Sox and he covers the Cubs for WGN Radio. You can find us both on Twitter. I am at C1 McKnight. He is at Joe underscore Brand One. Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. We love it when you do it. And if I say it at the top of the show, I don't have to try and remember to say it at the back end. So that's, you know, we're all winning so far. Uh, Big news Wednesday afternoon. That's really why we're here and why the podcast is a day early. Oh, my God, it's Tuesday, isn't it? Is it Tuesday? (laughs) It is. I don't know what day it is because the pandemic is terrible. I was... I say we leave this in. When we were talking, well, we yeah, I do too. Because when we were talking earlier, like, hey, do you want to record today? And you go, yeah, we'll do it a day early. I'm like, okay, so we're gonna wait 24 hours to release it. But n- I don't know what day I it got is. It. I got it. Hey, it happens. I just, it's just, Joe, it's just hitting me. I didn't know what day it was yesterday either. This is, this is like the worst version of summer break when you're a kid and you just like you know it's a good summer break when you've completely forgotten what day it is and you're just you know riding bikes around the cul-de-sac or something like that my and the ironic thing is whenever the year changes everyone always forgets to write the new year everybody understands what year it is nowadays everybody nobody forgets that to write 2020 nowadays no mistaking no mistaking it whatsoever anyway the big news (laughs) the big news tuesday afternoon was it Theo Epstein has stepped down from his position as Grand Poobah of the Cubs baseball operations. That responsibility will go to Jed Hoyer. And the Cubs are officially now transitioning a well-built franchise, one that has had missteps for sure, mistakes absolutely. You know, But I've said this a number of times on the podcast. i said this a number of times on the radio, and I'll continue to believe it. Theo Epstein leaves the Chicago Cubs as a legitimate hero. He is an immediate baseball Hall of Famer. He is one of the greatest executives to have ever worked in Major League Sports. His legacy is, so far, untarnished. And he also leaves as as one of the cooler people to have done his job, really, ever. Um, The guy's impressive. And if I weren't so jealous of everything he is, it'd probably be an easier podcast to do. I mean, how do you get how do you get cooler and better at your job, really, for the last thirty years than Theo Epstein? It's it's very difficult to do. I really liked uh, David Hawes' piece on six seventy thescore.com. One of the quotes he said is Theo Epstein could be the smartest in the room without feeling the need to prove it. And I I thought that just hit home so hard with who Theo Epstein is and how he portrays himself. I mean, on a personal story, I went out and covered the 2018, heading into the 2019 winter meetings. And, you know, you do a lot of cool things. You hang out in the lobby, you wait for news to happen. It never happens. And then at the end of the day, you take the elevator up to the super cool suites of the front office executives from the Cubs and the Sox. And every time we met with Theo and or Jed, they had this beautiful suite, uh, you know, fireplace in the back and um, wherever hotel in Vegas that we were. And it's just like, yeah, this is it. This is cool to be in this moment here, right here. And I like to portray myself as a very confident, young, strapping pup, but I, I really wasn't at the time. But everybody that was there just got 
so involved with the conversation and any question that was proposed to Theo, he just answered with sincerity and an honest opinion. And he just has this presence where he makes you feel comfortable. And I was able to just go ahead and ask a question almost every day because, again, I, I, I had done it before where, you know, I'd gone with the pile and stuck the microphone up, but never on a daily basis. I was always somewhat too in- intimidated. But it was just not the case with him. And when I read that from David Haw, I I thought it hit the nail right on the head with who Theo Epstein is and how he just presents himself to everybody else. Because he's he's such that that guy that you can understand, you can believe, you can trust, and you can just resonate with. He's he's so kind of superhuman, but in the background, he's still just a normal guy too. It's so hard to explain, but that's who he is. Yeah, it's it's. I totally get where you're coming from, and I think a lot of people who have spent time talking baseball with him or, or talking about anything kind of get it. Um, I, I think what's really interesting about Theo, and believe me, we're gonna we're, we'll get to the, the awful situation that the Cubs roster is in, and we'll get to some of the some of the tarnish that is on the last four or five years uh, of Chicago Cubs baseball. We'll get to. You know, Jed Hoyer's place in all of this. We'll talk about Jason McLeod and where that whole thing kind of went sideways. We'll do all of that stuff. But Theo Epstein is the guy that promised he'd get something done for the Cubs. And he did. And Cubs fans everywhere who have been promising to saw a leg off if they would only get to the World Series. Hell, you have to saw the leg off now and and probably sell it or something. Like, you, you won. You got there. You won. This was mission accomplished. I think with Theo... He's, I, I, I think it's easy for him to come across as earnest and honest, both things, because he's so smart. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, it's just so easy for him to tell you what he needs to tell you without giving away the store while also being honest in his response because he's just that smart. He, he just understands all of that. And I, I thought what was fascinating about Theo Epstein from the moment he got in He won a lot of trades. He lost some, too. He made a lot of bold choices uh, about what the future of the organization needed to be and and what kinds of players, what types and profiles of hitters were going to be the ones that they were going to build around. Um, And not all of them were right. And not all of them lasted on the roster. And he's got some things I'm sure he'd like to take back, but he told you what he was looking for the entire time he told Cubs fans from the get-go this is gonna hurt for a while and then I'll make it good again I promise and if I don't I'll leave I, I think I don't know of other front offices that have been able to operate that way like they've tried they've tried to put their business out there but probably failed and then there are other organizations like I don't like the Dave Stewart Diamondbacks or something they would just lie and get it wrong and be bad all at the same time you know and and this was this was always something different and for a lot of people it was hard to understand that what he was saying was actually what he was trying to do at the same time because for a lot of GMs it's that's not the case and i'm sure it's easier for him to do that so confidently when he's had the past success but he's also earned that the other thing is he's just he's always open to criticism and he's always open to questioning and he's always willing to not so much challenge the question but explain why he made move a and what he was expecting from it but I think what you were getting into was just that he had a plan 
and it was a very detailed plan. Like his introductory press conference with the Chicago media back in 2011, he broke down how each part of the organization was going to help all achieve the goal of winning the World Series. And he broke it down with local scouts and national scouts and front office members and infringing prospects. And it's just when you come in with that type of plan, and also I think the Cubs job was just so enticing for him because he wanted the challenge of rebuilding an organization and just wanted his fingerprints on almost everything from the ground up. And, I mean, yes, he you can basically say he had a grand slam with it, pun intended, because accomplishing the goal of winning the World Series for the Cubs is, is something so monumental at the time before it happens. That's what makes it such a big accomplishment. And I think that's what's also very cool about today because the moment he stepped down, it's just, thank you, Theo. Thank you, Theo. Hashtag thank you, Theo. Everything is reminiscing about 2016. I loved his letter to the fans, or I guess his letter to uh, people in the Cubs organization, whatever, that yeah. released on The Athletic. A couple of things that he he pulled out, it was uh, the beginning of one of his paragraphs where he goes, the moments are so precious and such obvious lifetime memories that you almost don't want to access them too often. I thought that was so cool because how many times do you just reflect on something amazing that happened in your life and then you just kind of have to bring it all back and say, all right, let's let's not get into fantasy land and just keep living in the past. But then he goes, yet they're impossible not to watch, and they make your heart skip a few beats every time they pop on the screen. I'm not going to go into everything, but how he goes, the wild card coming out party in Pittsburgh, homer after homer to slay the Cardinals. I think, I, I think his grandfather helped write Casablanca or something. He's definitely pulling from, from that lineage and, and just that artistry and that – uh, amazing script that he's able to just pull out. He's he's, it yes you you threw out the word genius, but it's just so cool how talented he is, in multiple levels. But yes, I I think of that 2015 season just because it kind of came out of nowhere and everything that he talked about came to fruition and all those players that were such small pieces of little trades one or two or three years prior came out to be a big reason of why they succeeded in 2015 so it is really cool to go back to that year and then of course 2016 but but it's just again it's when he comes to the Cubs it seems like the most impossible thing in the world to accomplish a Cubs World Series and now that it's actually happened I think sometimes we're numb to the fact of it so it's cool to go back and relive it a little bit today yeah I so I I covered every game in the 2015 uh, run through the playoffs and I remember being actually. I have a video on my phone. Maybe I'll tweet it. Um, I have a video on my phone because I, I started taking video of the team going back into the visiting clubhouse, and I only started taking the video because as I was walking down the tunnel and and seeing the whole scene, I out of from my left side, just a blur went by and almost knocked me over. Like I could feel the wind from this this group running to the clubhouse, and it's Theo and Jed. And, and a third person that I couldn't recognize. And I, I, I still don't know who it was, but it was in the baseball ops crew. I, I don't know if it was the, I don't know who it was. But they sprint by me, right? And I'm like, oh my God, I should, I should video this because they're about to go see the team. They're about to go get in this line of people humming into the clubhouse and, and all yelling and screaming. So I get the phone out and I start taking the video. 
and they're there and they're, you know, all screaming and yelling and, and swearing and cussing. But as I'm videoing, videoing, as I'm taking the video, uh, Eddie Vedder runs by me and, and jumps into the, so this video looks like I'm just filming Eddie Vedder run into the line and hang out with all of his, you know, baseball player friends. But truly I started taking the video because Theo Epstein jumped into line and started, you know, hanging out with all of his, his players and yelling and screaming and stuff. I think of that 2015 run a lot um, and just how much how much fun that team was having. I have a lot of Cubs fans in my life and, you know, even throughout that whole thing and as they were battling the Cardinals and even when they, when they lost the first two games to the Mets and all this stuff, there, there was some doom and gloom being talked about. Oh, they just don't have enough. They're not there yet or... You know, even down, even when they were down three-one to the Indians the next year in the playoffs, ah, oh, they just—they're just not going to get. They'll never win that kind of stuff. And I just told them, you know, and maybe I was right, maybe I was wrong, but just what was being projected was this team is different. It doesn't give a damn about all of that other stuff. It's there. These guys are there to kill all of that, to smother all of that with a pillow, to etherize it and just put it out of its misery. I promise you that's what those guys are trying to do. And it was it was clear that as much as they wanted to put together a talented clubhouse and obviously draft Chris Bryant the moment that the Houston Astros decided to take Mark Appel in the first with the first overall pick that that they also wanted guys, players who had the ability to do that in their own minds as well. And that's not an easy thing to do. And you have to be more lucky than you are good to assemble clubhouses like that. It's just, there's too many guys to, to really know the science behind it. But there's an artistry, I guess, to it. And Theo Epstein has ex- succeeded at that as many times as you as you really possibly could, having worked for the Red Sox and the Cubs all your career. Really quick with that story you just shared, it I always go to the alternate universe of if Cleveland does win game seven, how in the world do you tell these group of kids? Yeah, there's still no curse, like nothing, nothing intangible, nothing out ordinary is affecting this game. It's, it's all, it's all just still baseball. I I always wondered that like, Oh, we're so close to actually overcoming this three, one deficit. And then Rajay Davis against Rolled as Chapman, we won't go down that road, but I always do wonder that. It's it's the little things, Connor. It's how again going back to that opening press conference, how he said a scout going to uh, another six miles just to check on a possible prospect. But there's there's those stories how I think Rick Sutcliffe offered his time in efforts to Theo and said, you know, anything you need help with, let me know. And then Theo told him to check out with some of the some of the scouts or some of the pitching coaches and and a lot of them were just half-assing their work and then Sutcliffe told Theo and Theo reamed him out fired some maybe all like he was just all in right from the get-go I I know at the minor league levels he wanted 24-7 cameras on on every field at all times just so he knew what was going on at each level because that's what he was building from the ground up and yeah you go to it with drafting guys like Bryant and Schwarber and sitting down with these players and seeing what type of people they are to see what type of clubhouse will be developed in the long run. It's just, it's that extra effort, that extra little mile. 
and I get it. A lot of people say, well, then how come it's only one championship? But it's just, it was such a big, momentous thing for, of course, the city of Chicago and, of course, all of baseball. But it's the fact that he came into plan, he said what he was going to do, and he did it. And a lot of people cannot say that, especially with everything he said he was going to do is a reason why they ended up winning. Yeah, I I think there are, you know, obviously that front office seized on a moment where you could execute a full rebuild like that and still apply the resources that they did to a scouting department that barely existed and reap the benefits of it. Um, but I do think that over the last couple of years, and it probably started in 2016 or, or really close to it, they started falling behind some of the, um, some of the other and more, I guess people are going to use the word progressive. I don't know that that's the right word, especially in, in, in this political climate where everyone's been following, you know, that word particularly and like, oh, is progressive just the most willing to be out of the box? Well, no, not really, but let's just use the word for the time being. You know, there there are teams like the Astros when they, you know, not the cheating part of things with the Astros, but like the Astros or like the Indians who learned how to develop pitching in a different way. And the Cubs fell behind in that literal arms race, right? Um, I think they overinvested into a similar type of hitter that allowed them to be, you know, a little uh, too vulnerable to the arms that were coming around in this game. In some ways, I think the the fault of this front office, if there is one, and there was, I, I shouldn't say it that way. There was a fault in this front office. Nobody's perfect. They won a damn World Series, but they overinvested into a particular train of thought. And I, I think they realized that sooner than many understand. But readjusting that thing, it's it's a lot like, you know, unfortunately for the Cubs, it was a lot more like turning an aircraft carrier than it was a speedboat. It took them a lot longer to to turn some things around and to change approaches and analyze where they could then, you know, sort of regain some edge. I'm talking about, you know, the way you identify pitchers, the kinds of traits that you're willing to draft or or not draft. Um, You know, a lot's been made of them trying to find lottery tickets in in terms of, you know, second, third, fourth round picks. Um, Pitchers who just showed some traits and not necessarily some top-end stuff and go, oh, okay, we'll find somebody out of this thing. And that's, you know, organizations had learned to take advantage of teams that were just filing their lottery tickets like that. I would encourage everybody who's listening to go check out the Matthew Trueblood. He writes for Baseball Prospectus. And some of his stuff's behind the paywall, yes, but um, he's got a podcast as well. And I I think Matthew has done some of the smartest work on where the Cubs fell behind specifically in terms of evaluating their own arms and others around the league. Um, it's, it's really, it's really brilliant stuff. And if you are a Cubs fan who has been scratching and clawing for this team to win a handful of more games every year since 16, I get it. But if you want to know what should happen next and where Jed Hoyer is likely to take this thing, go read some of true blood's stuff and maybe you find some things to start asking questions about, to start filing, you know, mailbag questions with your favorite Cubs beat writers or head to Cubs convention the next time we're all allowed to do that and ask some pointed questions there. Um, I think that's a great place to start as as Cubs fans are looking for a little bit more, you know, peeling open the hood 
to see what's wrong underneath the engine or in the engine, not underneath the engine. Underneath the engine are like the wheels or something, and they seem fine. They, I, I think the Cubs have wheels. Well, and what you're bringing up is easy to believe because, again, right from the get-go, they said that was the plan. It's easier to pick up a pitcher that's you know, gone through college or has more of a proven track record rather than gambling on a young arm and then finding out it's going to blow out after two years in the minors. And the other thing is, Connor, I mean, that was working – in the minors, I have a Kane County Cougars championship ring with a cup. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done logo on it they're not the only team they're not the only Cubs affiliate that year that won a championship and that's not the only year it happened I mean they were doing very well in the minor leagues at least going to the championship if not winning it so you have that success record and then when these guys come up to the major league level and you've got the influx of prospects in 2015 they go on this fabulous playoff run it's like look at what we created look at how we knew this was the right recipe and then 2017 rolls around and it's wow we really need an arm we really need to bulk up this rotation because we are just scraping the bottom of the barrel to find a, a starting arm and I believe it's Sahad of Sharma that had a great piece in the athletic just recently about Jed Hoyer's upcoming challenge apparently Jed Hoyer's a guy that did not want to give up Eloy Jimenez so there is a lot on Jed's plate that's that's the whole other side of this equation is yes fantastic for Theo what he accomplished heading out a year prior for not only a personal route, but to do what's best for the organization. But he's getting there right at the right thick of times to do that because he's got one less year to deal with what type of payroll there's going to be with the COVID malfunction that's been going on in terms of how to pay players and staff, mind you. All the difficult decisions that now Jed and his crew are going to have to decide on Kyle Schwarber, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Javier Baez, and maybe more. I mean, you got to keep that into into your rearview mirror as well because those are all very important things that are going to be on Jed's plate now. But I also think on the flip side of that, that can maybe help out because you don't have that attached relationship 
that Theo had when he was here. I drafted Kyle Schwarber. I drafted Chris Bryant. These are my guys. Even I, I doubt that the Cubs are seriously thinking about signing John Lester this offseason, but you don't have that Theo-John relationship anymore. It's it's a Jed-John relationship that I would assume is just a little bit more watered down. So that helps any type of breakaway from two pieces from the front office to the roster break away just a little bit easier if that is what needs to be happened. So that's why the timing does work out for both sides, but it is a very difficult plate at hand coming up for Jed Hoyer. Yeah, I think it's clear that the departure of Theo Epstein means that the Cubs are willing to or looking at pushing a lot more buttons this offseason than it got comfortable for for Theo to push. I mean, he says as much in the letter that he wrote to uh, Cubs staff and in some of the public comments, but it's it's obvious that they're going to have to make some large changes and that I think Kyle Schwarber and Chris Bryant and Javi Baez and you know, I mean, the, the list goes on, are all probably on the block in a very, very real way. And that the ownership is probably, the ownership seems willing to take 10 cents on the dollar for some of those players, given the, the kind of performance that they had last season, the season before, and the dollar amount they're going to be tied to, be it through arbitration or existing contracts. The Baseball From Home podcast is brought to you by Team Hockberg. Team Hockberg is absolutely fantastic. They're the folks that you should call if you are considering buying, financing, or remortgaging. Uh, I used Team Hockberg to help finance the mortgage here in uh, for my house in Wicker Park. They were absolutely fantastic. They helped me out with each and every part of the financial process. And for a first home, first-time home buyer, they, they could not have been better. Every question I had... They had it answered. Um, and even the questions that I've had throughout the pandemic, just a couple of things I wanted to check in and, uh, about uh, with the status of my own mortgage and some of the options that I'd had. Even though that I bought the house two years ago, everybody at Team Hawkburg has been more than happy to help me out through this brand new landscape as well. I just recommend them to a friend of mine who's looking to buy a new home. And I am so glad that I did because I know she's going to be better off for it. Give them a call, 855-56-DAVID. Or head to the website at 56david.com. Homeside Financial is an equal housing lender, NMLS 1124061. I'm going to be real interested in the first comments from Jed Hoyer. Um, he's going to be asked from the get-go, I think. I can't think of another a, a more important question than in what ways do you need to be different from Theo right now? That's it. I mean, that and are you trading Chris Bryant, right? And he's not going to give you the straight answer on that one, but maybe he's going to answer the first one. I don't know what Jed's going to say there, but I would imagine it's got to start with, you know, some of the moves that they made to bring in Craig Breslow to rework kind of the pitching infrastructure with the Cubs. Um, some of the moves they made to to rework Hit Lab as 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 much as they have Pitch Lab. I I think the Cubs. I think Cubs fans are going to have to deal with a an organization that isn't able to get to a top dollar payroll for the foreseeable future. And maybe it'll be top dollar relative to the rest of the league cuz I think everybody's about to take a a a big cold bath here. Um but it's not going to be the kind of grabby free agent signings that a guy like Steve Cohen with the Mets seems willing to do. This is a a new era of frugal but smart, it seems, that the Cubs are, are looking to play in. And that's, 
I think going to be real frustrating for some. And I, and I would imagine that would have been frustrating for Theo in his final year. Like, why, why do you want to do that in the, in what you know will be the last year of your contract? There's a, it's hard to stay. It's hard to, hard to have a sense of fidelity there. If, if that's the task at hand. Well, that's why I feel the biggest emphasis is going to have to be on the scouting and the drafting, because that is what I think has slipped most for the Cubs over the last few years. I understand that they had to make trades, so you get rid of a Glaber Torres and an Aloy Jimenez and a Dylan Cease. But if you plant those guys in today's roster, how much different is this team? I don't think it's that much different. There still are a lot of problems with guys you needing to come up with clutch at-bats, and they're not coming up with clutch at-bats, or getting a rotation past Hugh Darvish and Kyle Hendricks. I mean, the only homegrown talent that you really have right now after the World Series is a Nico Horner and Albert Alzali, and if I'm missing another guy, it's obviously not popping up to the top of my head. Okay, Ian Happ, but that, that was still in the realm of, yeah, we're drafting talent in and out. So I think that's the biggest thing. And again, that's going to be more challenging now because the draft is slimming down. So that's a whole nother challenge that they're going to have to approach as well. So again, I think drafting and scouting is going to be, has to be a huge priority for Jed and his crew moving forward. And if it's not the biggest one, do you have a, uh, do you have a favorite and least favorite Theo Epstein era move by the Cubs? Because I, I was going to ask if you have a best and worst, but I think those are pretty odd. Like the trade for Jake Arrieta is one of the greatest trades in baseball history because they gave up nothing for a guy who went on to have a year and a half of Bob Gibson-like baseball and helped them win a World Series, right? Just in terms of, like, giving up nothing and getting a guy that meant so much to you, that's an amazing fleece job. And then the worst trade is is pretty obvious as well. I Unless I'm missing my guess here, it's a choice of two. It's either the Ian Stewart for DJ LeMayhew deal in a pure baseball sense and Ian Stewart kind of being a jag, or the Aroldis Chapman deal. And, and there's every reason for anyone to bag the world as Chapman deal because he is he's a, he's a bad person who likely did a horrible thing. And the statement that that made about what the Cubs were willing to accept from their players for success is, is a gross thing. And if you don't take my word for it, that's okay. Take Theo's word for it because he's said as much too. You know, I, I think those are the three trades in the in play for best and worst. So I'll, I'll ask if you first. I'll ask, I'll ask if you agree. I guess on that, and and if you have a, a favorite and least favorite. Yeah, well, I I definitely agree. I think you have to throw in the Quintana, Aloy Jimenez, Dylan Cease trade too. Is is one that doesn't work out in the Cubs' favor, at least as much as it should have, or at least they expected it to. Uh, I'll go with a little biased one for most favorite, and that is the James Russell slash Emilio Bonifacio deal to get Victor Caratini. I mean, the fact that those two guys are, I think, long out of baseball, maybe Emilio Bonifacio was around recently, but Victor Caratini was has been a, a very solid number two catcher slash DH slash great bench guy the past couple of years and a switch hitter. So I'll definitely go down that as one of my favorites. Uh, least favorite is is tough. I mean, again, it's it's the ones we discussed. It's that Quintana one. So 
I, I guess pick any one of those. I don't know. Maybe, maybe the DJ LeMahieu Ian Stewart one, just because uh, DJ LeMahieu is fighting for Tim Anderson year after year for the batting crown. But then I guess you move Javi over to second base, and it's I guess it's one that's often forgot of. Like whenever Theo gets flack, it's always because of the Quintana trade or sure. selling morality to to get a role to Chapman. So yeah, I guess the one hidden in the weeds is the Ian Stewart for DJ LeMahieu. So one of one of my favorites is the Miguel Montero scoop. Ooh, I, I think yeah. people forget how big a deal he was. Um, I think some of those home runs go go kind of forgotten. Oh, I'm um, jealous. I'm so mad you picked that up because he was well, traded for a former Cougar in Zach Godley. Credit, credit, uh, God, and Godley has has had a couple of nice. Start. I think injuries. I think right injuries have kind of derailed Zach Godley a little bit. He had a shoulder thing. Yeah, and, pretty much. He, yeah. he fell off. I, I think he's bounced around a, a couple teams last year. I, but yeah. He looked he looked good before the. I think the shoulder fell apart. I think he had the same thing that uh, John Danks had going on with a shoulder, just the thoracic outlet or whatever the heck that is uh yeah i like the and, and credit credit too my brother is is the guy who every time people yell about the, the 15 and 16 cubs he's the guy who goes what about montero because that, that was just one of his favorite guys on that team for a, you know i i really didn't like signing ben zobrist at the time <laughs> i thought it i know i know i know i'm wrong they're better at this than i am like i figured he'd be fine but he's really old, and Ben Zobrist was bad in the out. Like I don't, he he could he hacked it barely. But he was bad in the outfield, and he was slow and old. And every time he got himself under a fly ball, his feet were still moving a lot. And I was like, ah, sweet God, are we gonna get there? And then he did, and then it was fine. But I I bagged the Ben Zobrist thing for a little while, much longer than I should have. Obviously, I turned out to be wrong, and that's fine. It's it's part of the whole thing. You can hit me with that, but um. I, I for whatever reason that one just didn't make all of the sense to me and it's and I I like keeping it as my least favorite because it it re-underlines for me just how much better at this they are than I am and that I should just be I should be doing a podcast and nothing more okay well now you've sparked an idea for my least favorite and it's it's more of the inability that this happened. I'm still kind of upset that Starling Castro does not have a World Series ring. And I think Mark Carmen once tweeted that Adam Warren should give Starling Castro his World Series ring because Warren was just that is tossed a, back and forth. <laughs> that is a classic Mark Carmen take. Right? That is a that is a classic Mark Carmen but, take. What a great but guy. But the math but the math works out because what? Castro was traded to the Yankees for Adam Warren. Then Warren was involved in the Aroldis Chapman deal. So, yes, Starling Castro and Adam Warren are important pieces of the Cubs winning the World Series. But who deserves it more? Probably Starling Castro. So, yeah, I, I guess I'll go with that as my least favorite move. Well, you know what? I, I Just one more thing that I think bears like pointing out here, too. You remember early on, one of the first things Theo and Jed did in, in tandem was was pick up Anthony Rizzo after they had had him in Boston and then moved him out to San Diego and they took what was really the the only well not only because Starling Castro was there but in terms of prospects Castro had been playing for a little while they took Andrew Kashner one of the only real prospects that the Cubs had at the time were like yeah we're good <laughs> we want Rizzo again and that kind of conviction, you know, I, I thought, oh, God, they, it's just a kid that they want and just, you know, they, they've fallen in love with this prospect and it's going to 
help the depth of the system and that's really all they're looking for they just want you know early tangible results in enriching a system or something like jesus they just they knew you know they knew that guy could hit and as and as much as people have um and and we just have i just have rather you know hit them for assembling profiles of hitters that are far too similar Anthony Rizzo's stats may have dipped over the last two years and, and certainly not been healthy in, in times, but you can't tell me that that profile is the same as Bryant or the same as Schwarber or the same as Contreras or the same as, you know, like this is, that is a man who chokes up eight inches to to not strike out in a, in a two-strike count. That is a man who has found the opposite side of the field when the shift has been absolutely eating him alive for two weeks. Like, he he has not been that profile of hitter uh, and he's not been a part of that that weakness, that illness that has affected the Cubs lineup. It's impressive. And I was trying to think of the whole timeline of, of Theo's time being with the Cubs and, and thinking, okay, Anthony Rizzo made his debut with the Cubs in 2012. The next big guy that didn't come into the roster wasn't until Javier Baez in 2014. I mean, so that's that's almost two solid full years of fans just – listening about the prospects and uh, goes back to the fact that a guy like Theo Epstein has to persuade a fan base that has waited for so long to just wait a little bit more. But I do want to pose this question to you. All right. Who is the last Cub that exists on the team from the 2016 World Series? Like, like A.J. Perzinski was the last White Sox player on the roster after they won the World Series. He left in... 2012 or 2012 was his last year so who's the last cub that's a great question and it's tough i would bet i i oh boy that's a really good question so your options are Hendricks, contreras rizzo Baez, Bryant, all of those are those last couple are bad odds. Schwarber's bad odds. Almora's the worst odds you could possibly find. There are, I want to go ahead and say no relievers left over from 2016. I'm not looking at a roster in front of me. I guess I can bring one up, but I'm going to go with Hendricks. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Hendricks. And I'll say Hendricks because they, I don't think they'll trade him unless the season goes completely backwards next year and you're still playing in a division like against the Brewers who can't hit and the Cardinals who can't hit and the Pirates who are goddamn terrible and the you know the Reds are fun and good but there's a division still out there for the Cubs regardless of of how many guys they're going to move well I guess not regardless but even if they do make a big trade or two I don't think Hendricks because he's so anomalous with his stuff gets the return that that other pitchers of his caliber would get you. So I think he's that guy who just kind of uh, who just keeps pitching until the jersey falls off of him. I'm going to go with Kyle Hendricks. I, I think Kyle Hendricks is the safest bet. And just for sake of argument, I, I guess I would go with maybe Contreras. Because, um, I don't know. I mean, baseball is different now in, in – People pick up guys that trade deadlines like crazy these days. But I was what I was going to say is typically if you're a good team, you've you've probably got a mainstay at catcher, so the odds of Contreras being traded might be a little bit more slim, but 
he he can be a wild card. Who know how? Who knows how enticing he is for other teams? So yeah, I guess I'll go with Wilson Contreras strictly on the sake of argument. Well, so Contreras is a good one though. But the sneaky answer I should have given you is David Ross. And I, I almost said David Ross doesn't count in this conversation, but yeah, I, I understand why. Well, wait, was Tommy Hadovy? Tommy Hadovy was on the 16 roster doing something, no? Uh, I think he, no, 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 no. He was, um, he was a Cub in 13 and 14. So Tommy Hadovy was a run prevention coordinator for the Cubs in 2016. So ro- saying he was on the roster is a bit of a stretch. Yeah, no, definitely not on the roster. That would be cheating. David Ross is only slightly, it's only a little bit of cheating. Tom, saying Tommy Hadovy is like <laughs> Astros level of cheating. Saying David Ross okay. is only like uh, Tony LaRusso's White Sox with the sign in center field in the 80s cheating. Like, yeah, it, it, was, it was cheating, okay. but it was so long ago, and who, 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 gives, who cares? <laughs> That's what it is. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. So, you know, obviously we'll, we'll keep you posted and, and keep broadcasting here throughout the winter. Um, I don't know that the change from Theo to Jed at the top necessarily means uh, a change in where the Cubs thought they were going this offseason. But I think it means they are going in, in a little bit of a darker direction. Because I don't think Theo felt it was right to preside over things that he certainly wasn't going to be there for and that means setting some sort of tone a little bit more for the future and that's going to be tough for Cubs fans to watch I I think it'll be tough for uh for baseball to stomach too and here's hoping we've got a here's hoping we've got an agreement between players and leagues so that any of these things can happen we can talk about all of them there is still a lot of darkness in this winter left to play out unfortunately yeah I think The meter just leans a little bit more towards drastic moves happening. We've talked, and the last couple of days, too, it seemed like, yes, the Cubs are open for sale for some certain players. And again, it goes back to, I think, when you remove that relationship of Theo Epstein and his guys, whoever they are, that no longer being a mainstay, it just makes it a little bit easier for the Cubs and or Jed just to move on from those certain players so, yes, I, I would agree with you. That's that's where the more drastic moves seem to be in the near future for the Cubs. So that does it for this episode of Baseball from Home. Thanks so much for listening. Subscribe, rate, and review. Do all three of those things. And I suppose the last word on the pod today is, well done, Theo Epstein. Well done, sir. Thanks for listening. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.